Hey friend, welcome back to She Speaks Life. I am so glad you chose to listen today. But before we dive into this episode, I wanted to share with you a couple of things that you may be interested in. First, there is a free online four-day conference called Faith in Action that I've been graciously been given the opportunity to talk about five ways to zap worry before it creates chaos. You know, we don't have to live in worry. In fact, God tells us not to worry and tells us how not to worry. And in this conference, there's about 26 speakers all sharing on various topics on how to trust God in trials to biblical marriage advice and much more. The link will be posted in the show notes below if you're interested or better yet, have you signed up for my newsletter yet? Go to jamieelizabeth.com and I'll have a direct link. Plus, you'll receive a free download on God's ID, my ID, which is all about discovering God's characteristics and how it applies to your identity in Him. And also coming up is a mom conference in Naperville, Illinois by ablemoms.org, a turnkey mom ministry designed to give you practical and biblical principles and parenting all while being with other moms in your season of life. I love this ministry so much and I have been graciously been given this opportunity to be sharing on the sacred calling of motherhood and what that looks like today. And I would just love to see you there. So whether you live near that area or you know somebody or you just want to get away for the weekend, hit the link below in the show notes and go to ablemoms.org and grab your ticket. So with all those announcements being said, I am so excited to bring you Elle Cardell. Elle has a huge ministry and podcast called Daughter of Delight and has a miraculous story to share about her baby, Sayla, and how she made it through some of the most challenging medical issues a newborn could have. This story, my friends, will build your faith tremendously and it will inspire and encourage you even more to rely and trust in God no matter what you see. You know, there's so much power in prayer and we are going to hear that right now in this episode. So let's dive in and hear this conversation with my guest, Elle Cardell. Hi, Elle. Welcome to She Speaks Life. I am so happy you are here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation. Oh, gosh. I am like ecstatic that you are here, Uh, especially it means so much when I walk through this journey. Uh, I felt like with you, I think a lot of people feel like we walk through this journey with you on Instagram online. Um, battling a health condition that your daughter had. And Mm. before we dive into that story, I would love for you to share with us a specific scripture verse that you just love. Yeah, absolutely. It is, I mean, there's a handful, but I would say Psalm 37, 4, which tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. When I was like a baby Christian, I read this verse the completely wrong way. (laughs) Um, I read it as, okay, if I do all of these things, if I please the Lord, then he'll give me whatever I want. 
when really the beauty of that verse is the more that we place our delight in the heart of the Father, the more that our desires line up with His desires, and therefore our desires are His will for His life, which is exactly what plays out, right? Everything that He has in store for us. So it's just a constant reminder to keep my heart fixed and my eyes set on my Father and to just delight in His ways over my own. Yeah, I know. That's such an important verse, you know, because we can take that out of context. And speaking of delight, you have a ministry called Daughter of Delight. And you're a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, you're a podcaster yourself and a blogger. And your whole mission is to equip uh, others to know God and know scripture. And you really go on there and really tackle some theological issues and some things in the Bible that, you know, we may get confused on, or, you know, maybe it's just a a topic that is a common thing that, you know, we're trying to, you know, figure out in life. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate everything you're doing. It's so great. And building faith and uh, sharing wisdom, scripture, and your words are beautiful. You're a beautiful writer. And so I just want to say thank you for giving us that encouragement and that wisdom. And, you know, like I said, uh, I was following your journey with your baby girl, Sayla, Mm -hmm. and you were pretty much online on Instagram sharing the health issues that she was battling when she was born. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was driving from Virginia to Austin. We went on the East Coast over the summer, and you shared her story on your podcast, Daughter of Delight. And so I just remember breaking down and just crying throughout your story. Story and my husband's like looking over, and of course, I've got my earbuds in, and he's just like, Oh, wow, <laughs> what's she listening to over there? But it was just, it was so like tragic and but beautiful at the same time because of mm. what you learned and, and how you grew and what God revealed to you, and that's mm. just how our God is. And Mm -hmm. I just want you to go ahead and start us off with the story of Selah. And when did you first learn that you were going to have to battle this health condition? Sure. So Selah was born with a handful of single ventricle heart defects. She has TGA, which stands for transposition of the great arteries, VSD, which stands for ventricular septal defect. I feel like such a medical expert when I say these big words. Well, you walked through it. Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. Um, and PDA, which stands for patent ductus arteriosus. And so in this case, it just meant that she had a single ventricle heart. She had a full-sized heart, but one ventricle instead of two. And the other problem is that her oxygen-rich and her oxygen-poor blood were mixing. And so, so far she has had four open heart surgeries. We have almost lost her three times. Mm -hmm. Um, But the beauty in that is that you would never know looking at her now. I can remember sitting in the hospital just wondering if we would even make it 
you know, home for the first time, yet alone her first birthday. And she turns one November 6th. So like, oh. praise be to God. There is so much to testify to through her story. I mean, the words glorious purpose were just two words that could continue to come up um, in her story and in the hospital, especially in those moments of really beautiful eye contact with her on days where, you know, you knew she wasn't feeling good, but she would just stare you in the eyes as you would rub her hand and sing her songs and pray over her. She was there. She was present and the Lord was present through her. And gosh, I'm just so thankful that she has made it as far as she has and she's doing as well as she is. But to talk or to back up to when we got the confirmation for the first time, it's actually an interesting story because I went in for my anatomy scan with her. And they told us that they couldn't get a completely clear picture of her heart, but it was nothing to be worried about. They just needed to send us to a place that had better technology for that. And my husband and I were leaving for our baby moon the very next day. And so I said, okay, if it's nothing to worry about, I'm not going to worry about it. We'll just get that appointment scheduled. We'll go on our baby moon. We'll have a great time. We had an amazing time. It was a wonderful trip. And then we get back and we go to this appointment and it is just earth shattering. I mean, you walk in there, you get this news. The tech wasn't allowed to tell us anything, but I was watching her face and it, my heart was just, it just stopped over and over again. It felt like I, like I couldn't catch my breath. I, I was on the verge of a yeah. panic attack because I knew something was happening. And I just remember... When she left the room, my husband was in there too, and we both knew that something was wrong. And I just said, like, Lord, please fill our hearts with your peace in this moment. Please prepare us for the conversation that is about to take place because mm -hmm. you know, we just knew something was coming. So we got the bad news. Um, and I also went ahead and decided to figure out if we were having a boy or a girl in that same appointment because I could not leave that appointment not knowing who was in my womb and who I could be praying for by name. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. I've been in that ultrasound room and the nurse couldn't find a heartbeat when I was pregnant. And then I go into the ultrasound room and then they're looking for the heartbeat. So I can kind of get a glimpse of that, you know, panicky, anxious. Oh. oh my goodness. You know, thinking of the worst. And so, I mean, I can't imagine, but good for you to just pray for God's peace right then and there. So mm -hmm. they found that her heart, she, we have two ventricles. She was only born with one ventricle. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And they, they shouldn't have tried to diagnose her at this specific appointment because they weren't cardiologist specialist, but the doctor right. did. And she actually gave us the wrong diagnosis. She gave us the most severe heart defect there ever is you know, to exist that we know of today. It's incredibly mm -hmm. rare. Um, and so for two weeks leading up to our appointment with uh, Salus cardiologist now, mm -hmm. we were basically grieving because we thought she's going to get here. She's going to have to have surgery as soon as she's born and she's likely not going to make it. Um, but then we get there and we find out, okay, this isn't what she has. It's still severe, but it's not near as bad as what we were thinking. And so it was so, it was kind of like this odd time of preparation because although it was still a severe diagnosis, I left that appointment 
with accurate information, but also feeling like this weight had been lifted, even though it was still yeah. rocky, rocky roads ahead. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. yeah, it was it was interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Walk us through like being pregnant and knowing, walk us through like those real feelings. Cause I listened to your podcast story on Sela and I absolutely love how real you were. And, you know, this is kind of the gist of what you said. I don't know if it was word for word, but you, you said it felt easier to give into my flesh, check out on my phone, shop or focus on other things. And mm. I mean, that is just being so real right there. I was like, yeah, mm. like that's humility. That is easier thing to do. So, you know, just kind of walk us through that preparation time of being pregnant with Sayla and knowing that this yeah. is coming. Yeah. Well, I've actually never shared this before, um, but as soon as we found out we were pregnant or I was pregnant, my husband just had this weird feeling that something was going to be wrong. Mm. And he never, he did not share that with me until here just a few months ago. Mm -hmm. But I think that is so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And that that's just a side note. But when, yeah. as far as like the, the process of like finding this out in comparison to what it was like to be pregnant before finding that out, you know, grief is really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that this diagnosis taught me that grief and joy can coexist. Mm -hmm. Like it was just, that was the most tangible season of my life that demonstrated that truth to me over and over again. And I'm not saying that I, I grieved my daughter. I grieved her diagnosis and the life that I longed for her to have because it wasn't right. going to be the life and a normal life. Mm -hmm. You know, she is going to have to go to cardiology appointments her entire life. She was not going to have none. Not all of us were going to have our, you know, typical family at home, newborn season. We were going to be living in the hospital with her praying that she would get to see the next day. Yeah. Um, but that, that grief, you know, it was, it was very like the, what you shared from my podcast episode on it. It's true when, before she was here and after she was here, when we were in the hospital, it was so much easier to give in to the desires of my flesh and spend money, like buy clothes, walk down the street to get coffee. Not that that was a bad thing. I needed to get out when I could for a breath of fresh air, but mm -hmm. just to focus on what was outside of that grief yeah. instead of trying to find joy in the midst of it. And so there was this odd like time of trying to find that balance of, okay, there really is joy in the everyday, even in the midst of this grief. I just have to be willing to surrender my desire for control and this this huge weighty feeling of helplessness that I that I'm carrying every single day, you know, into the father's arms and mm -hmm. ask him to open my eyes to the blessings that are at hand um with each breath and with mm -hmm. each beat of her beautiful heart. But it was it was definitely tricky because there were days where I would forget that I was having a baby that would have um, sure. you know, have to go through open heart surgery. There were really mm -hmm. good days, even in the midst of that, even on the days that I was aware of it, I still experienced the Lord's joy. And I think it just boiled down to the preparation of surrendering and praying and seeking and, um, really trying to step away from that temptation I had to step out of what mm -hmm. was right, in, step away from what was right in front of me. 
Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Oh, it totally does. No, that's (laughs) so good because that brings me to another thing that you said in your story of Sayla on your podcast. You said, we don't always have to understand, but it's our responsibility (sighs) to trust God. And I think that's so key because some things we're not going to understand really on the side, you know? And so I love that your focus was just to trust God. And Mm -hmm. I love that you did bring us in to this journey through your social media because we got to see you just relying and trusting in God because it wasn't a bunch of good news afterwards. It was, there was a lot of ups and downs. So Mm -hmm. before we jump into that, I would love for you to share like, okay, you're going into labor. You had a 48 hour labor. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Share with us with that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I was scheduled to be induced on Thursday, November 4th. And I had a little, I had an issue with that because I didn't desire an induction, but the, the way the cardiologist explained it is upon Sayla's arrival, you know, she's going to have an entire team of people that need to step in basically immediately. And so having me there and having the team ready to go is what's best for her. And so I just had to come to the realization that, okay, this is out of my control and I'm going to focus on what I can control. And that was how my I was going into it mentally and spiritually. Um, I, we get there on Thursday and she's not born until Saturday, 48 hours later, the day after our wedding anniversary, which is super special. Yeah. But there were a few things that were incredibly traumatic for me in my birth. And I don't know if this is the place to get into that because it's kind of a big story, but whatever you feel like sharing, I will share this. So they, they inserted something called a Foley bulb to prepare my cervix for her. And it had to sit in there for four hours. They came back to check on it when it was time and it had been inserted incorrectly. So they had to reinsert it which was awful. Had to wait another four hours. I was so sick. I I was so sick. I was throwing up. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to pass out. Like I was in so much pain. But thanks be to God, Sayla was just, she was thriving. She was yeah, doing great. Doing Even in the midst of it, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it, it was mm-hmm. not fun. Um, I just kept thinking about how things could have were would probably be so different if I could have had like the birth of my dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But again, it's all about, you know, I'm sitting here in the unknown of what's going to happen in the next few minutes and mm-hmm. whether, when she's going to be here and over and over again, my eyes were just open to the unknown being this invitation mm-hmm. to trust mm-hmm. in the Lord. And so I just kept clinging to that. And I can remember when she started to crown this was also the moment where about 20 people piled into the hospital, into the room that I was giving birth to her, to her mm-hmm. in. Um, and the doctor asked if I wanted to feel her head because she had a head full of hair. 
And I was just like, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. So I felt her hair and then it gave me all that. I thought I was done with, you know, pushing and energy. I just couldn't yeah. do it anymore. And that was like my second win. Like she's coming. She's almost here. She's going to be in my arms. And she was. Um, she arrived at 5.49 a.m. She was 7 pounds, 15 ounces, 22 inches mm. long. She was so beautiful. And I got 60 seconds of skin to skin with her until they had to wheel her away to the NICU. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very hard. I had time to prepare for it because I mm-hmm. knew it was coming. But I could hear them talking about how long does she have with the baby? How long does she have with the baby? And I'm like, can everybody please just stop talking and give me this yeah. one minute? Give me this one minute with my daughter. And just I want everything else to fade away. I just want it to be me mm-hmm. and her. And that one minute went way too quickly. Uh, my husband followed the the NICU team. So they went from the adult hospital to the children's hospital. There's like a secret, secret passageway that connects the two. Um, and I stayed back in the room with my mom to deliver the afterbirth and to heal. And, uh, I actually didn't get to see her again until much later the following mm-hmm. day. So, okay. okay so yeah. how long were you in the NICU and the NICU and mm-hmm. what walk us through like your relationship with the Lord at this point. Yeah. Okay. So I felt like we were just getting started. And although I was in a ton of pain physically, spiritually, I was like, okay, God, we're in this, like, I'm here, like, have your way, your will be done. That's, that's truly where I was at, um, Mm -hmm. at this point. And so once in the NICU, we were there for about five days. So What's different about Sayla's diagnosis and the initial diagnosis that she was given, which is hippoplastic left heart syndrome, those babies need something called the Norwood, which is essentially surgery as soon as they're born. Sayla did not need this surgery. She was able to uh, be hooked up to something called prostins, and this is something that would keep a specific blood vessel Mm -hmm. open that needed to stay opened until her first official surgery. And so... During her time in the NICU is when she was receiving these prostins. Um, we All babies have something called a PDA blood vessel, and it closes up about nine hours after birth because its main function is in utero. Mm-hmm. But for Sayla, we needed to keep it open, which is what the prostins were doing because it was working in her favor uh, with her blood flow and everything leading up to this initial first surgery that she was about to have. And so... It's often referred to as the honeymoon period with your baby when you're when you start out in the NICU before the the surgeries begin and there's good mm-hmm. reason for that because it's just it's so sweet you get the snuggles I got to it was one of the first and only times I got to breastfeed um, I've been exclusively pumping for her the last year mm-hmm. but that's been so worth it I just wish that you know I could have had that experience with her mm-hmm. um we, you know, got to stay in the room with her as long as we wanted. You know, she was sleeping and just, she was just so, she was so perfect. She was so mm-hmm. perfect. And those few days, those five days in the NICU went by way too fast. Um, and her, she was scheduled on November 11th to have her first surgery. Uh, she was going to have a stent placed and the surgeon that did it felt pretty confident that she could have this instead of a shunt placed. And the stent would be through a heart cath through her groin. So just a very, 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 very tiny little uh, wire with a camera and whatever else attached to it. Um, And they would go in through her groin to do what they needed to do instead of placing a man-made part called a shunt. You know, those little things that you stick on your fingers and like, if you pull away, it tightens up. Yes. 
I don't know the exact name for it, but that's kind of what a a shunt is. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, long story short, they wheeled her away to place the stent, and it was a failed procedure. And this ended up being the longest day of my life because it turned into an emergency open heart surgery and Sayla had already been very, she'd already been unconscious for several hours. Mm. Um, And I thought that this was it. I thought we got these sweet days with Sayla, like this is going to be goodbye. So we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. A different surgeon stepped into the game whose specialty um, are shunts and thanks be to God. At 10 p.m. that night, we got a call that Sayla was doing great, and she was going to be wheeled up to the pediatric cardiology ICU, mm-hmm. and in a few hours, we could go and visit her. Um, and the beautiful thing in that is, although the first surgeon who placed the stent couldn't was unable to do it, he stayed mm-hmm. during the emergency surgery for the shunt placement, and he called me. And he left a voicemail saying that he was praying for Sayla and he was so sorry that the stint didn't hold. Mm. And I that just like made such an impact on me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as we heard that she was doing well, you know, I checked my phone. I have this voicemail from Dr. Jansen. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but <laughs> I love you, Dr. Jansen. Yeah. <laughs> Little does he know. Yeah. Little does he know, yeah. yeah. So many of the people on her medical team – most, I would say, are Christian. And that, mm. that's that been a really cool thing to have some yeah. really neat conversations with nurses and doctors about God's hand in all of this. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so she went up to the ICU and she was healing and having some good days. If you've ever had a child in the ICU or if anyone listening to this has, you know that the ups and downs of the ICU are literally no joke. One minute, your baby can be doing so well. You're laughing. Your baby's cooing. All of the vitals look great. And then all of a sudden, their blood pressure is dropping. Their oxygen levels are crashing. And every there's 15 or 20 people in your room trying to figure out what is going on. Mm-hmm. All of these heart babies are puzzles. They're their own little puzzles. And each room is a puzzle to, you know, figure out how to put together and how to help it stay together. And that's, that's what it felt like for me, at least. I think that's a pretty good way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Because not all the pieces will fit for one baby. Every baby has is so unique Mm -hmm. and has their own needs. And goodness, our experience with Vanderbilt Children's, they just did such a a great job catering to Sayla and and saving her life multiple times, Mm -hmm. multiple times. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And did you ever just struggle like with your faith? I mean, it just kind of didn't seem like that on your Instagram. You really, I love that you asked for everyone to pray. It was just bringing the community in together to pray over you guys and Sayla's life. Mm -hmm. And did you ever just kind of doubt or get angry with God? Absolutely. Um, You know, I try to use the strength that I did have to communicating her story was so hard for me. And I'm sure it didn't come across that way. But having not having but okay, having the opportunity, there it is, having Mm -hmm. the opportunity to write out everything that had transpired that day was exhausting because it was like I was it was fresh on my mind, but I was reliving it. And so it took such a mental toll on me. Um, But that is really what I tried to do is focus on her focus on her needs in that space. But of course, I struggled, you know, um, I there were (laughs) 
such a special, um, such special moments shared between me and the Lord when I would go to pump. So there's a pumping room on the same floor as the ICU. And I would, I would leave to go to this, I could pump in the hospital room, but I decided I was going to start leaving and I'd get into this teeny tiny room for one. I'd turn the lights off. I'd turn worship music on and I would just ball my eyes out. I would ball my eyes out. I I would ask God why this was happening. Mm -hmm. I would ask God why this was happening to us. I was tempted to tell him all of the things that I have done right in my life for the sake of his name and Mm -hmm. that I was so undeserving of, of everything that was happening to my baby girl. I just let it out. Yeah. Like that was, and I think that was a, that was a healthy thing to do. And I believe that God, that God welcomed that and he met me there and he wiped my tears. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the same breath of letting it out, I was reminded about what I said earlier. Um, you know, we're not meant to know everything. Mm -hmm. Like we will never know everything. And when those unknowns show up at our doorstep, regardless of what those unknowns look like, they really are. God's, in my opinion, God's way of extending this invitation that you open it and it says, will you trust me? Mm-hmm. And so that was my biggest thing was constantly being reminded of that, constantly being reminded of my utter need for independence on him and really just trying to view all of this through the the lens of eternity and knowing that no matter what happened to Selah on this side of heaven, her healed and whole heart was coming. Mm-hmm. If it was not in this life, it would be in the next. And that's where I long for all who are in Christ to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we should long for eternity. And so there was part of that that was appealing to me, especially down the road when all she knew was struggle. You know, there mm-hmm. were times where I was asking God, you know, is this is this worth it for her little body? Like right. Can she just come home? Can she just come home? Mhm. That, and that's so hard to be in that place, like of complete surrender. Like, like you just mm-hmm. feel helpless, right? And you're just like, God, I know you're in control, but to see your little one suffer mm-hmm. like that, I mean, that it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. absolutely heartbreaking. I can't imagine. You know, I would come out of the another place I cried and just let it out was in the shower. There's a bathroom with a shower in the, in the hospital room. And I'd take 10 minutes to, to try and, you know, take care of me. Um, even though the last thing I wanted was a shower because I was so scared something was going to happen. I did it anyways. And I can remember one evening coming out of the shower and Selah, as soon as I opened the door, her eyes were on me. And I just felt like in that moment, Mm. I was experiencing the nearness of God in her life and in mine. And I don't know, there was something there that just Mm. like bridged this, the, the struggle that I was having behind between grief and joy. Like that was the bridge. I knew that they could coexist and that it would be okay. And that I didn't have to check Mm. out in order to, to find fulfillment because really when I was checking out, the fulfillment wasn't there. It was just temporary satisfaction and not coming to terms with reality because reality was really, it was utterly difficult. It was very, very hard, but God truly was in the, in the midst of it and just fully present every step of the way. And I'm, I'm so thankful. Okay. So share with us how Selah is today and how you guys are. Yes. 
We are doing so great. So Sayla's most recent surgery was back in March. And once she healed up from that, we, our appointments went from, with cardiology went from every week to every six months, which is such wonderful news. It felt very like foreign at first. And, you know, I realized that I was very dependent on Sayla's cardiologist because I had that weekly appointment to look forward to. Right. Um, A little bit of security there. Yes. A little bit of solace and security. Her cardiologist Mm. is just amazing. Shout out to Dr. Cavanaugh. But, um, things you would, you look at her now and you would never know what she's been through. We lost her almost three times. There was one time in particular where, um, she, her, her shunt clotted and she passed out in my arms at four in the morning. And Mm. all of a sudden there were 15 people in the room and she was being hooked up to, she was being given CPR and hooked up, rolled out of the room with a portable oxygen tank and then taken to the ventilator, got put on the ventilator, crashed again, needed CPR Mm. again, then needed ECMO. And there's such a testimony in that because if you don't know what ECMO is, it's life support. Um, and so it was doing the work of uh, Sayla's body needed that Sayla's body couldn't do on its own. And yeah, it's unheard of, but Sayla was on ECMO for only 16 hours after all of this happened. The next day she was off of it. And, mm. um, you know, the Lord really just, gosh, glorious purpose is woven in her in and through her life. The day before yeah. all of this happened with her almost dying for the second time, we were supposed to be discharged. We were supposed to be discharged, mm. but her oxygen levels were acting a little funky. Um, and they decided to keep us. And I'm so glad they did because had she clotted, had her shunt clotted here at home, she would have died. She would not have mm. made it. And so she was right. exactly where she needed to be when she needed to be there. And that is all God. That is yeah, all his protection. God. Like, yeah. yes, she's such a miracle. She's such a miracle. Mm. But um, she's doing great. She no longer has physical therapy, occupational therapy, or speech therapy. She was on an NG tube up until six months. Now she's eating solids like a champ. Aww. She's drinking out of a sippy cup. Like, she's just, she's thriving. We had an appointment with our cardiologist um, two weeks ago. And... Man, her cardiologist looked at us and said, I wish all my heart babies were doing as well as Sayla is. And like, what a humbling thing, you know, to hear. But also like, we hope and we pray for that too, because she has come so far in such a short amount of time. And it's only God is only the work and the strength of God in her life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, we, following your journey, like it was totally God's strength working in you. And we can just all see that uh, because it was like, if you were to look at the circumstances, you'd just be a crumbled mess, you know? And maybe you mm-hmm. you felt that way, but God was supernaturally upholding you. He had his yes. right hand on you and upholding you and sustaining you through the heartbreak and giving Mm -hmm. you hope and uh, all the things that he revealed to you through this. It's just an incredible story, incredible testimony. And Selah is absolutely adorable. Uh, We got to see pictures of her on your 
Instagram and oh my gosh, like the cutest thing <laughs> ever. So, and just such a blessing. Like you look at the, this is your first child and you're going, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is the, the biggest blessing. And there's probably so much gratitude, like things that you had to walk through that you just have a whole new perspective on having a child, yes. right? And yes. so I just, you know, love that your whole story, of course, that it has this happy ending. We never want this horrible, you know, tragic ending, but to walk through and see God's faithfulness and his healing. It's such a testimony mm. and encouragement for all of us. And um, mm. thank you for publicly sharing it because it's so easy oh to gosh. isolate and to clam up. And I think the best thing you did, as painful and emotional it was to relive it every time you wrote in your post, but it brought the hugest community together to pray for you guys. And we all know the power of You prayer. are not kidding. Yeah. That's right. I fully believe God used the prayers of his people to help sustain her and us. I mean, we were yeah. constantly overwhelmed with people reaching out and offering whatever they could to help us. And, you know, I mean, I, I would get, I remember my friends at, um, uh, I'm friends with a team at Christian Healthcare Ministries. They put together a huge Google Doc and they sent it to me and it was filled with the prayers from their team members. Wow. And I just remember we reading it and weeping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just so, and that's, I, I don't even know how many people were praying for us. I know that it was thousands. Like the Lord really built up an army of prayer warriors for us. And I just am so thankful that he did. Like yeah. so, so kind, what a kind and generous thing to do in the midst of such a difficult thing to know yeah. that there are people, strangers, brothers and sisters in Christ, family may not know them personally, but they're right there standing in the trenches with us and praying on our behalf when we couldn't find the words to say ourselves. Yeah, that's so, right. So yeah, what good. a gift. Really is. Okay, so is Sayla mm -hmm. done with surgeries? She has one more, God willing. Okay. Um, when she is before between the ages of two and four. So we still mm -hmm. have a while um, until we have to mm -hmm. look into that again. So we're just trying to enjoy each day as it comes. Yeah. And thankfully, she's yeah. been through like the most challenging and riskiest part of her life. And this next one should not be as difficult as the others have been. Um, yeah. so that is something to look forward to, but it is going to be a different dynamic because, you know, Sayla was a newborn baby when she was going through all of this, she didn't really understand. And she was already sleepy on top of, you know, being sedated. So she right. slept through a lot of it. But one thing I am looking forward to now that she'll be older is her being able to communicate her needs to us, but also watching her mm -hmm. struggle in a, in a completely different light almost is going to be really, really hard for us to see. And so I'm already trying to spiritually and mentally prepare myself for that because it, it's it's going to be hard yeah and maybe praying supernatural healing maybe she won't have to go oh, through absolutely. this too yeah absolutely yeah we long for the ultimate miracle <laughs> right right okay well i love finishing up our time together with a takeaway what is something that you mm -hmm. can leave with our listeners either ponder on or take action in oh yeah i love that I just based on everything that we've talked about today, one of my biggest takeaways from Sayla's story is the fact that 
the Lord's peace is not contingent on our circumstances. And I think that Mm -hmm. so often, at least in my case, I look to the what for the peace instead of the who, you know, instead of the Mm -hmm. only one who can give us the peace that satisfies, um, the peace that we, we truly, that our souls long for. And so when we look to the father, you know, we learn that his peace is not something that he gives and he takes away. It's like, you pick an apple from a tree, you know, that's how his peace is. You, you choose to res- to embrace it and it's yours. It, it's not contingent on anything yeah. but your willingness to lean in and pick it up. Um, yeah. And I think that's such okay. a beautiful truth because, you know, his peace is why we can be content in the midst of, of despair and difficult circumstances. It's why we can still rejoice and, and see the, the joy in the everyday because, because of the Lord and because of the eternity of the eternal life that awaits um, mm-hmm. those who are in Christ. And so peace is not contingent on our circumstances. And my prayer for anyone who's listening is that no matter what you're facing in this season of your life or the seasons to come, you would fully embrace the peace that is yours in him. This has been a blessing to me and just walking through this journey with you. I'm so glad uh, we have this opportunity for you to share your story. Now, where can people contact you and, you know, hear your podcast and whatever else you got going on? (laughs) So you can find Daughter of Delight on Instagram. Just one word, Daughter of Delight, not the light, Delight. (laughs) And then I also have the Daughter of Delight podcast. And if you want some super cute baby pictures and nuggets of, you know, theological goodness, you can find me on my personal Instagram account at L-E-L-L-E underscore Cardell. Well, thank you for coming on here. Thank you so much for listening today, and I trust that God has encouraged you through this story. Did you know this podcast is on YouTube? Hop on there and subscribe, and you can see a live recording of each episode. And for more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com. That's J-A-Y-M-E elizabeth.com and let's connect beyond this podcast by going to my instagram handle jamie elizabeth she speaks life or facebook until next time my friend i hope god reveals himself through your own life story